how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, and more, where we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and methods of a creative life. This episode is brought to you by FreelancerClass.com. At FreelancerClass, you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money as a writer, marketer, graphic designer, virtual assistant, or an accountant from the comfort of your own home. Make a little extra money or replace your income at FreelancerClass.com. In this interview, Zachary Kotler and Magdalena Zizak discuss their new film, Maya Dardell. The writer-director team talk their literary influences, dying breeds of writers, complicated personalities for characters, and the importance of a strong female lead. Since I guess I was one of those uh, unfortunate children that wrote poetry, and uh, I was always interested in, in the humanities, and uh, I treat writing and film as two exchangeable media, so I don't differentiate between the two. Uh, for me, I was uh, a writer for many years before I got into filmmaking, and I was on an academic path. I was teaching writing as well as publishing books. And uh, it's actually Magdalena who talked me into becoming a filmmaker and a screenwriter and writer-director, so I'll give her credit for that. There's definitely a lot of literary influences in your new film, Maya Dardell. How did this all come about? What were the first ideas, and then how did it go into a movie? Um, we come from a literary background. I'm a novelist, and Zachary is also a novelist and a poet. So we wanted to write a script of a literary character. Um, we wanted to write a script of a woman who had created a complicated personality for herself, someone whom we loosely modeled on people like Susan Sontag or Camille Paria or um, other professors, actually, whom we knew from um, our creative writing experiences. And, and we sought to uh, create a portrait of a, a fictional person who we hope represents a kind of a broad array of, of baby boomer uh, writers, a sort of, it's sort of a dying breed. And it's, a, it's, it's a, one that we respect and we wanted to create an elegy for the world and the politics and the aesthetics of this generation of writers um, because it's fading and it's, it's a, a lovely thing. Where did the plot idea come from about the, the ideas of suicide and then the estate and everything? Um, it comes from just sort of a, a general pessimism in the, in the literary world, but also a propensity for playing games. Um, our character is interested in games, and she's interested in 
manipulations and puzzles and and um so I wouldn't say the film is about suicide, but you have to people have to judge that for themselves. I would rather say that the film is about intensity and intensity is necessary for a writer to create. So instead of uh, thinking of the film as some sort of glorification of suicide, I would just call it uh, a scream for a more intense life, which is something that's denied to contemporary writers because we live in a very sterile environment despite everything that goes on around the world. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that, that it's a film that glorifies suicide in any way. So in the film, she's looking for mill writers to compete, um, to possibly work with her estate. Um, what, what are the ideas about feminism both in the film and within literature at this time? Uh, I guess we try to create a strong female persona who's, uh, who's not maternal and who doesn't yield to some of the classical demands that our society gives to women. Uh, I would add that our character w- considers herself a feminist, and uh, there's no one school of feminism that is correct, and so if you boil down feminism to its simplest terms, it simply means power and equality for women, and, and so um, our character has her own particular way of achieving not even, not just equality, but something more than equality, maybe a, more than just a, 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 a considerable amount of power. That's what she's interested in, is power, and that's what she goes for, so perhaps that's a feminist angle. Lena Olin is getting some great reviews for the film. How did she come about um, reading for this role, or, or was it written for her? We were always interested in Lena, um, mainly because of her work with Isma Bergman and also because of her role of Sabina in the unbearable lightness of being adaptation. Um, and um, we made an offer to her casting agent, and she accepted the role. And uh, also because... I think she's the right choice because she has had so much experience on stage and her consciousness has been formed by text and by plays, by dramas, which is obviously very relevant to a film about a female intellectual. And, and of course, I mean, the film is about a Scandinavian writer in America. There are a lot of references to, uh, you know, there are allusions to Strindberg and there's the, there's the Karen Blixen, Isaac Dennison ending and and such, and so uh, we used that as a as a definite sort of a subtext. What was your writing process like in terms of logistics? Like, how long did it take you to write? How did the partnership work? I think we came up with this idea in Venice, Italy, actually, and uh, we uh, I think we first came up with a story, and then uh, the process of writing was somewhat organic, so it's hard to pinpoint. Um, the exact points, but uh, but uh, we would just write and pass the draft between each other, basically, and and it was like a, like a baby that we created. Um, what were some of the difficulties you had, either writing the script or making the film? With the you know, with your first film, one of the difficulties is budget always, and um, it's just difficult to make an independent film. Period. There, there's never enough to do. Um, there's never enough to have your vision be entirely complete. And the, the subtle ways in which a lack of resources can affect 
the ability to execute the screenplay you've written, um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to enumerate all the subtle ways this can happen, but it's, uh, it's a, it's something that happens. I don't know. I guess, yeah, I guess it's just like in life, money and time are materially lacking resources. Whereas when you're writing a book or a screenplay that you don't intend to shoot, if you're just writing a piece of art on paper, you're, you're only limited by your imagination. Um, but, uh, but, you know, but we succeeded, so. We survived. So after your first film, what advice would you give a smart, driven filmmaker who's about to get into the business for the first time? Well, I mean, the interesting thing about a screenwriter is I would advise the screenwriter to cultivate the ability to direct and produce and screenwrite all at once until he or she can set his or herself free from the, uh, from that position, you know, because you, as you, when you begin, you do have to end up doing everything yourself. And then as you, as you progress, more and more people step in to help you. But, uh, initially it's, you really have to do everything yourself. And it's not so simple as just writing a good screenplay. You really have to have the ability to make your screenplay happen for yourself. What experiences from your background have helped you become a filmmaker? Uh, you said you, you kind of both have a background in literature. What kind of passed on to filmmaking? Um, I mean, I guess to, to me, it's, they're not so different in, in a sense. And especially um, the script and, and our films in general are very um, word-driven. Um, we consider ourselves um, filmmakers, but like Eric Romer, whose films can be read as well as um, watched. I would say one thing that was helpful for me is because I I come from an ac- academic background. I was a professor of writing before I became a director, and and uh, I find that directing actors is more similar to teaching writing than writing itself. Uh, what you end up with is you end up in a in an intimate space of communication about desires, about what makes sense and what doesn't, and about subtleties, psychological subtleties, and character motivation. And so, the one of the things that surprised me when I first got to a set and started directing actors was how similar it is to teaching writing. Because when you're talking to a young fiction writer, uh, you're telling her, well, when your character does this or says this. It, it doesn't make sense or it does make sense and it would make more sense if you added this or be harmonic or symmetrical to this if you did this, this or that. And the kind of quiet conversations one has with actors are, are relatively similar because uh, the actors are also writing a story. They're, they're writing a story with their body and voice. What are some bad recommendations or bad advice you often hear in your profession? Bad advice. I guess that film is, is purely a visual medium and that people should talk as little as possible. I think that's preposterous. I think that has become a sort of a kid convention, right? That if you're making an art house film, this film has to be really quiet. And also preferably it should have some very, very long walking scenes, which was already done so many times. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm against that, walking and not talking. I mean, there, there are so many bad, there are so many bad pieces of advice. I can't even gather all of them in my mind. When you're writing, when you're writing this film and you were feeling overwhelmed or unfocused, what kind of brought you back? What did you do to get focused back on your writing or your work? 
I have to say we we don't have we don't really suffer while we're screenwriting. We love screenwriting, and it's the filmmaking where all the suffering yeah. takes place. The uh, the screenwriting, the months of screenwriting are the best part of filmmaking. We come up with ideas. There's nothing that stresses us out in that scenario. Yeah, all the stress comes later. Is it just stress from solving the many problems on a film set, or are there any specific examples you can give? Yeah, it's it's your what you value when you when you're the writer director. What you value is and how much you value it is in a radical disconnect with other people involved because they have less investment. And what happens is, um, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's like any, it's, an, it's like an economy. It's like a small, uh, failing nation, you know, an independent film set is like a, is like a, a small economy in collapse or, or a small nation during a revolution or something like that. And it's, there's, there's never enough of each resource for each person and so there's a tug of war, and you hope that when you come out the other side, you have something that justified everyone's time spent. Right, and also being a director is like being an advanced curator, and you borrow everyone's talent to use in your film, and sometimes there's enough money or enough time to give to each and every department, and you have to make sacrifices and choose what is more important. And I think that's very difficult to those department heads who, get, uh, who are left behind. Whereas in the screenplay, everything's perfect. Everything's there. You know, you don't imagine that anything is sacrificed when you're writing a line of a screenplay. And then you later realize which lines are being sacrificed. And I think this is really just an independent film problem. I think if you have huge Hollywood budgets, the problem is a lack of imagination and a lack of good taste. And they have more than enough money to carry out any single line of a screenplay. If only you could uh, give the independent screenplays to Hollywood budgets, we'd, we'd all be... Much better off. happy. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter to get your free download of the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block, which includes advice from writers such as Aaron Sorkin, William Monahan, and Carrie Fukunaga. The newsletter will also keep you up to date on future episodes, new articles, and more. Sign up at BrockSwinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com.